What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I wanted to throw out a couple of things before we jump into today's show. First thing, I really appreciate some of the reviews that some of you have been leaving lately on the podcast libraries. I wanted to share one. Kurt Covert left one recently on Apple Podcasts, and he said this, Best finance podcast for young physicians. Radically relevant to the young doctor looking to use their finances to design their ideal life. First of all, Kurt, I don't know Kurt. I really appreciate it if you're listening, Kurt. That's a fantastic review. It means a lot. And second of all, I think it's important. Like I had the first few reviews were like my mom and my sister and my wife. Like it's really cool to see. And those are cool and all, but like, (laughs) of course they're going to be positive. So it's cool to see some other people that are seeing positive results as well outside of those circles that I already had. So these type of reviews mean a lot and I really appreciate it. They also help us to get the word out on the podcast to more people. So if you're enjoying this, please take a minute to leave a review if you haven't done so already. The second thing I wanted to throw out. So I'm of course dedicated to this podcast. I'm also a partner in a planning firm called Ren Financial Planning. And so they're actually our main sponsor of this show and really allow us to keep the lights on without having to sell out to all the financial products and services that you typically see on these podcasts and media sources. So this podcast and our planning firm both really have a similar mission, which is to help physicians use money as a tool to live their best lives. Now, the podcast is, you know, me sharing that approach with a larger group. However, in the planning firm, it's more of a one-to-one model. So our team at Ren Financial Planning has had the privilege of talking with and working with many of you guys, and we've really loved those interactions. So based on this, we're going to be introducing something a little new that I wanted to share with you today. So we're going to begin offering a no-cost triage meeting for Finance for Physician listeners. The way this is going to work is you would schedule a 30-minute meeting with one of our great CFPs. I'll link to the scheduler link in the show notes so that you can do that. And in this meeting, you're gonna be driving the agenda. So our goal will be to talk through whatever really you'd like. Maybe it's some of your biggest financial questions, or maybe you'd like to review your current finances. Either way, our role is gonna be to help you start to identify next steps and the urgency of each, and hopefully give you some suggestions of what those might look like. So I'll throw out some examples of, you know, things you might be thinking of that we could potentially address. So maybe you're starting to navigate this home buying decision and you're looking for some input on that. Or maybe you're thinking about considerations for going into practice. Or maybe you just like a second set of eyes to look over your tax return or employee benefits or even your investment allocation. Maybe you just want a second opinion from your existing advisor. All of those would be good examples of the types of questions or concerns you might have that would be really good for this type of call. So while we're talking about it, I also wanted to point out, in in case it's not already obvious, if you haven't worked with us one-on-one, I think it's best to view me as kind of like a random dude on the internet talking about finances. I'd like to think that I know quite a bit about finance for physicians, but without you knowing me, it's probably safer to just assume that like, you know, who knows? And of course, everybody's going to say they know a ton about a subject. So I think a better approach is to do your own homework and consult your own advisors and do the work up front. Same thing goes for our planning firm in these 30 minute conversations. I think it's also important to point out like, we're not going to be giving advice to your specific circumstances. So it's 
30 minutes is in no way enough time to get to know you and understand you fully in order to do that. So I think it's important to point that out that whether it's me doing this podcast or our CFPs having, you know, a 30 minute conversation with you, I would not consider that advice. It's just not going to really be possible to be able to provide that. And it's better for you to kind of think of it that way so that you're positioning it more as like, you know, some input and you're going to do your own homework. Our intent in this meeting in particular really is just to help you start to uncover value while giving you a taste of what it's like to work with one of our CFPs. Of course, there's not going to be a sales pitch that comes with it. We're not going to hassle you about, you know, coming on board. We're not going to bug you about following up. It might be just as simple as like a quick conversation and move on. You'll see a link to schedule that in the show notes. If you decide to check that out, when you go to schedule, I think there should be like a section where you indicate where you found us. So make sure to indicate you found us from the Finance for Physicians podcast so that we know to adjust our agenda. So if you've been listening regularly, you know that I've been talking with a bunch of guests about the direct care model of practicing medicine. I'm a huge fan, if it's not already obvious, I'm a huge fan of this model. I believe it's one of the best solutions out there to help to start to solve the healthcare mess that we're in. This model is really starting to take off. We're seeing a lot of growth, especially in like the direct primary care space. They've been, you know, growing for quite a while. They're all over the country now. You're seeing them in like rural areas as well as big cities. So this has been going on for a while. But I think what's really cool is now we're starting to see more direct specialty care practices opening up as well. So I talked with Dr. Andy Burkowski several shows back, which I'll link to in the show notes, about his direct sleep care medicine practice. And today I'm going to be talking with Dr. Diana Granita, who is another one of the trailblazers in this new and evolving direct specialty care space. So Diana is a rheumatologist and has been working in the traditional system of medicine all of her career. I should say had been working in traditional healthcare for all of her career. But like many of you, she became more and more frustrated with the system of medicine and eventually started to explore alternatives. Fortunately, she was had some interactions with some people in the direct primary care space and started to really learn more about this model and eventually started thinking about possibilities for her own specialty. So as she learned more, she began to realize the positive impact it would would have on potentially her patients and ultimately decided to make the jump and really made like a, a speedy transition into starting her own direct specialty care practice, which is called Rheumatologist on Call. And I believe that was around four years ago, and today they're thriving. Um, I think what's most important to point out about Diana, though, is she's not doing it for the money. And I think it's obvious you'll hear in our conversation. I personally believe that you really have to have things in life that are more valuable than money. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, you know, Scrooge McDuck, like just, you know, nobody wants nobody wants to be there, I don't think. And so for her, one of those things that is more valuable than money is her is patient care. So she realized at some point along the way that she she needed to make some big changes in order to provide the best care possible to her patients. And so she was dedicated to serving patients first in starting this new endeavor and then working out the finances secondarily. It's not that you don't pay attention to the finances. It's more that they're secondary to serving patients. I think that's an admirable position to take. I, I think I think the world would be a better place if there were more people operating like this. And I think it, it's just important to point out. So when when values are driving the ship, like in Diana's case, I think it makes a much it, I think it makes it much much more possible to tackle 
these big hurdles you're going to face when you start something big and new and scary like this. And, and I think most of them really tie into the fear of fear of the unknown, fear of leaving the steady income, fear of putting your ideas out there and potentially getting rejected, fear of what other people might think. There's, there's a ton of fears that tend to really start to amp up when you start to consider a big, scary change like this. But Diana was able to sidestep a lot of these common fears and, and really jump right in. And fast forward to today, and her practice is thriving, and she's very happy with her decision and you know loves talking about it. And so what's interesting is as other st physicians started to learn about her success along the way, they've started to reach out to her and have become more interested in themselves to the point where at some point along the way, she decided to start up a separate business, a network for direct specialty care physicians called DSC Alliance or the Direct Specialty Care Alliance to allow for a, a place where specialty care physicians can go and seek help and share ideas and ultimately help each other to grow their businesses in this new way of doing things. So in our conversation today, we discuss Diana's professional journey from the traditional system into direct specialty care. She shares how she was able to move forward into starting her own practice despite these big fears. She shares some of the biggest struggles along the way. We also discuss how after several years of doing this, she is feeling about the patients and her how she's feeling about her own value associated with this new type of healthcare that is is, you know, something we're not used to. Diana also shares some of her favorite resources for learning more about DSC practices. So it's a very interesting conversation for me. I learned a ton and I'm sure you're going to too. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Diana, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. We ha I think we have a lot to talk about because I'm very into this direct care model. And for those of you listening, you know, I'm very into it. I've, we've been covering it a lot and talked to a lot of different people in the model and have been exploring different ways of doing it. But what's especially unique about you is you're actually not only working in direct care, but you're in direct specialty care. So you've kind of taken it to the next level. And I'm excited to hear about like how you got into it. And you've even created a network of direct specialty care physicians to help, you know, connect patients with providers. And so you're very up to some great work. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of dig into your story and how you've gotten to this point. And maybe it's, 
if we could, I would love it if we could start out like, I imagine you didn't start out in direct specialty care because that's just a pretty new thing, right? But how did you get into this world of direct care and where you are today? So you are probably aware, like many of us, that we spend some time in the traditional, I, as I call it, traditional medical system, that things started to deteriorate both for us, but also for our patients. And at some point in my life, I had the feeling that I don't have enough time with the patients. I don't have, you know, I have the skills, but I don't have the time. And I was struggling to keep up with my electronic medical records more than I was keeping up with my patients. And I thought that the avalanche of messages that I was getting from the patients were also coming because I didn't have enough time to spend with them and kind of educate them. So when I saw that patients were struggling to get to me, patients were struggling to come for appointments, and then they were struggling financially to be able to afford an appointment with me, despite the fact that they were carrying what is called great insurance, there were so many limitations. And at some point, I decided that maybe for me, it's time to step out from the traditional system and create my own private practice, like a micro practice where I can do my, my job and I would feel less, I would say, less stressed about what was going on. And, you know, in the process of thinking, how can I help patients, I realized that my specialty is so, you know, so badly represented. We are about 6,000 specialists in the whole United States. And, you know, at that time I was located in Cincinnati and I saw patients traveling for two hours to come to see me. And there was no way for me to make their life easier. And even when I talked to my former employer about implementing telemedicine, no one was interested. That was before the pandemic. No one was interested because there was no way to bill for such a way. So I really thought initially that telemedicine is a great opportunity. And then I started to form my own company. And my dream at that point was to serve people in the nearby states like Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. But then I realized there are so many other states that they do not have enough specialists. So that's my story as a, as a, in the beginning to become, mm -hmm. a, to become an entrepreneur. But then, you know, building up my practice, I sat down and I thought about things and I realized that, you know, my specialty is so expensive, you know, the way that I knew that things could be done, the way that patients would have to come in, pay with insurances. And then I realized that, you know, I don't know anything about the prices that, you know, a price for my consultation, the price for my laboratory workup and prices for x-rays. And there were many patients that were asking me, how much is this going to cost me? And I felt so embarrassed that I had no idea even how much it's going to be my consultation. So I was looking right and left. And then I'm, I have a friend that was very familiar with direct primary care. And he introduced me, I mean, kind of reintroduced me to this idea. I knew someone that was doing primary care, a former colleague of mine that was in the residency. And I started to look into this model and then I compared this model to what I knew from back home, from Romania. You know, in Romania, you have two systems, the private system where you have 
absolutely all the information that you need. You know exactly when you go to a private practice or a private clinic, at the door, you have all the prices for the consultations, for the laboratory workup. So patients will know exactly what to expect in terms of financial expectation. So, and I thought, you know, why is this not possible here? And how is it possible for the primary care to do that and not the specialist? So that's how I started to explore the idea. And that was about four years ago. And then little by little, as a very good friend of mine said, I started to realize that specialists can do this, can be in direct care. So rheumatology is your specialty and your practice is called Rheumatologist on Call. Is that when you started Rheumatologist on Call was four years ago? Yes, correct. I started to build up the company almost four years ago. And then, you know, after struggling to put everything together, I started in 2020 was the first year where I was seeing patients in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, which in some ways, probably I would imagine it helped if you were doing telemedicine, particularly with the whole adoption of that as a yes. potential service. Yes, but I was talking about telemedicine two years before the pandemic came. And I was trying to, you know, open up the, the brain of people about using telemedicine for the use of the patients and for us as well. But it was a big, big struggle to begin something like this. Yeah. And change is, it's hard sometimes to get things to change off often doesn't happen as quickly as we, we would like. And now going into the big venture, I mean, four years ago, not, not too long ago, were you nervous or scared or fearful? I think sometimes that's a pretty scary jump to go from this system that's like steady paychecks to this entrepreneur world of entrepreneurship of, you know, unknown. Did you have any fear around that? And if so, like, how was that managed? I have, I had a lot of fear. I have to admit that I had, I went into this, as you guys say, cold turkey. <laughs> so I didn't transition through, because there are practices that will transition to cash pay from the insurance work. So they still take some insurances, private insurances. They still take Medicare, but they also accept cash. I did it the other way. I just straight, <laughs> I, I went straight to cash and it was not easy. And it wasn't easy because, you know, things were not set up. Everything was set up, but it was very hard to educate patients that what I do it's extremely valuable, is not, is not in any way tricky. And it's the way that patients were educated to, you know, to get services and to polish that kind of language to what you say to the patient, what you convey to the patient. It's very hard. Once the patients come to, to us, and I'm talking us about specialists that are doing direct care, they understand after, probably after the first visit, that the value that we that we offer and the care that we offer is excellent and we really give everything that we are supposed to give because we are not stressed by the environment we are not constantly looking at the computer and we don't have 30 patients waiting at the door to yeah. be seen yeah you can spend the time with the patients that they deserve and then also the transparency of what is being paid is right there and then on top of that, like when you're paying for a service as a patient and as a provider, when it's transparent like that, it 
forces like the incentive is to make sure and add value to kind of like, you know, you want to be able to make it worth more than they're paying as a physician. And also the patient is worried about that too. They're like, is this worth my money? And so that's healthy, I think, incentive that gets created in that sort of environment versus in the traditional healthcare system. Like nobody knows what anybody's paying. It's just like kind of like monopoly money in some ways. And that doesn't drive any of that incentive, but it is difficult, I imagine, to kind of, because you have to reshape people's belief system or like kind of the people are not used to that as the way things work. That's very true. Patients are, and again, I don't want to use words that will be offensive to anyone, but I feel like in the current system that we live, we are brainwashed altogether, patients and physicians to work a certain way and to reach out to get care a certain way. And when you bring something different, like every product that is different from what you are used to to use every day, it takes time. But the fact that you provide the highest quality of care, that is turning back in, you know, 10 times, I would say. And the satisfaction that you have as a physician to really spend the time with the patients and see the outcome of these patients. You really have the time to 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 see how patients are improving and you have time to listen to them. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I think that we are not only, you know, with one hand we put orders and with the other hand we hand a prescription. We are healing patients. And it's it's extremely important for the patient to build up trust. Patients do feel like the system betrayed them. And by saying the system, they only see us, you know, the system is us. We are the face of the system. Unfortunately, when they think about medical care, they think about their doctors. They don't think about anybody else besides us because the, the main interaction that they have with the system is their physician. So how are they going to know who to blame? They're going to blame us for things that they're not happy. And rebuilding that kind of trust, it's extremely important for both sides. When you made the switch, was it? So you mentioned cold turkey. I know you went all in on cash pay, like from the get-go, which that's, I love that. That's, that's my style. I mean, I would, I think if you're going to believe in something, you just got to go all in. Did you also go all in? Like, did you just stop the system job? Yes, I stopped one. So I work in academia. I work in private practice. <clears throat> what I continue to do is I took some locums job to support my family. And that was extremely helpful for me. And while I were building up my practice, so while I was building up my practice, I took some locums job, which were helpful. And I kept my academic appointment. So that was also helpful because it kind of kept me connected with the system, but I was not depending on the system. Now, for those physicians that are interested to jump into direct care, they also have to be prepared to find side gigs, I would say, to support their income, because that takes some time until you build up a practice that is viable and is able to provide you the paycheck that we are used to. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, I can imagine... I don't know what your position situation was, but I can imagine someone that's like sole breadwinner for a family. And in that instance, it's like literally like you got to have some level of income. And so that baseline income, that's very high priority, important. I remember when I started my business, like that was like number one priorities. Like I got to, 
I always would say like, first thing was break even. And when I described break even, I meant like paying the business's bills and not paying me. <laughs> and then yes. second phase was like feed the family, you know? And that was like a pretty big accomplishment is like, we're, we're feeding the family. We're, we're, we're doing good. And then, you know, beyond that, it's, you know, be all the other stuff, but I think there's also financing. People can get financing to help with things like that and have Definitely, but many things you can figure out by yourself. I, I'm sure we are very, very smart people. And there is also something about physicians. We we are very, very, I would say we we once we want something, we go for it. We yeah. work hard and we use all our resources to figure out things. It's mm -hmm. not easy to figure out finances, but it's not something that you cannot do. And as you said, don't expect to pay yourself. Probably the first six months, I didn't pay anything, any 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 dollar to my pocket, but I pay everybody else. And I was so, so happy that I was able to pay everybody else. I had my husband to support my family. But the fact that I didn't take any money from my pocket to put into the business, that is also, I think, an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it is, it can be scary, but it's a, it's kind of like one of those good, scary things. Like you get a little nervous about it on the front end, but you know, it's like a healthy fear and the, that's the kind of thing you lean into and it's typically good for you, but it is a little scary. Was it like something that was paralyzing at any point? Did you ever like struggle with the fear or did you have that sort, same sort of description I described? Like, was it, did you kind of lean into it and you're like, this is healthy? I had moments when I said to myself, this is very hard. You know, I cannot handle all of this. But at the end of the day or the next day, I woke up and I said, no, I started on this road Got this. and I'm going to continue with this. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Right. And I kind of took that as as a as a as learning opportunities and i really want people that are engaging into this to understand that you know we in the medical world we only see the medical world but we should look outside of the medical world talk to people from from outside learn from them and understand that the challenges that you have everybody has probably in every business is not like we are unique we do face some unique challenges because of the, you know, mentality that is training us and, you know, is, is kind of shaping the mind of the patients that they can only get care with an insurance card. But in the current system, once the patients see that they do not have access to medical care when they need it, they will look for options. What is mm -hmm. happening in our days? is patients are looking actively looking for options, options for finding a physician or finding cheaper medications, for example, or a way to pay for their procedures. They are actively looking. And that's why you see all these huge companies like Amazon and, you know, the independent pharmacies like Mark Cuban Pharmacy, they are showing up because they know there is a huge interest towards cash pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it, when everything gets all stirred up 
like it is now, that's when all these opportunities come about. And that's where things like, I mean, direct care, I, I see as big time expansion potential as all this stuff gets stirred up and people are going to be frustrated. The more people that are like frustrated with the system, they're, they're looking for alternative. That, I mean, that's already happening. Um, but people are still, I think a lot of people in the system or even patients are still kind of like stuck in it and don't really see another way. Did you, I'm curious when you made the jump, did a lot of your colleagues or people around you, did they kind of give you the sideways stare and they're like, are you sure? Like what, explain that again. <laughs> a lot of them were confused about what I was doing. And, you know, I, I believe that's absolutely normal. Yeah. And a lot of them today are calling me to ask me, how can I do this? Right. And you're like, I'm doing it. Yes. And, you know, there are still people that are asking me, how is this possible? I never thought this is possible. And you probably, they're probably right, you know, because you don't think about options until you're really in that point, that breaking point that you want to change something. You, you understand that you either accept it or you should work to change things. So how is it working? Is it, I mean, I know I get the feeling that you're, you love what you do. Like that kind of is contagious from how you talk about it. And I think that's fantastic versus a lot of people in healthcare are kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, they're not excited at all about work, but beyond that, like, how is it going? Like, is it financially going well? Do you feel like, you know, sustainable business model in specialty care and even you know, more so than the traditional model? Or what are your thoughts on like the state of it at this point? It's still pretty early. I think it's very early for me to make, take conclusion or draw conclusions at this point. What I can tell you is, is that it is working and mm. it is extremely rewarding, both for me as the physician and for my patients. What people that come to me will say is that they are very, very grateful for the time that I spend with them, for the information that I share, for the care that I give. And I can tell you that I'm sure I'm not doing anything different from what I used to do, but it was at a speed up level that people were not having time to digest that. And I was not having enough time for my patients, that's for sure. Now, if you want to become a millionaire in the first <laughs> year or the first <laughs> couple of years, I don't think that is possible. And I don't want people to have that kind of expectation. It all depends what you want and how much you want to work. And it also depends where you are in your expectation, what are, and what kind of practice do you want to build? Is it like a practice with multiple physicians? Is it a practice that it's only you? So it all depends on multiple factors, but it is doable and it is something that will bring a lot of reward on both sides. Mm. It doesn't seem like many direct care physicians are burning out. In fact, I think they're like super jacked, but they're very excited about the, the work that they do, which is such an interesting, I, I wonder if there's a statistic on like burnout among direct care physicians, I would imagine it's like zero or low or whatever. I don't think we have statistics yet, but every single one that I talk to, they are not complaining about burnout. Every single one, even the specialists that they are doing direct care, they will relay the same thing. Now, because you mentioned about the vibe that I send out, this is something that I'm told all the time, that my optimist is contagious and everybody that talks to me, they want to do it. And I think that 
it is very important to give that kind of vibe, especially when you have transitioned through that and you can tell people that it's possible to be done. And we as physicians, we lost hope. Unfortunately, we are stuck like our patients. So it is important to have this kind of community that I, I started to build a few years ago where people come in, they learn about it, they ask questions, they get support also from physicians that are doing it. And I think that we as physicians, we unfortunately, we, we lack that ability to connect and to support each other. And we should do that because everybody outside of you know, the medical system, they have their own communities that they support each other. Even the nurses, they have community that support each other. The nurse practitioners, they have a huge community that they support each other. So we as physicians, we should unite and we should help each other as well. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. So you you created the Direct Specialty Care Alliance. Speaking of communities, and was that prompted you to do that? At what point did that happen? How did that play out? I'm, I'm curious. About three years ago when I started, I was, you know, I was so eager to find people like me or to find someone like me to <laughs> share experiences, to ask questions. And initially I went towards the direct primary care community, but I understood there are some differences there. I was not able as a specialist to offer everything that primary care is offering. And although I was, you know, I'm board certified in internal medicine, I could have done that. And I know specialists that will do both internal medicine and their specialty. So that's a possibility for people that are considering that. But I wanted to remain the specialist and I understood there are differences and I, I was actively searching for people to, that will do what I do. And I started to find a few, but it was very hard to identify people. So I put together a Facebook group and I said, okay, if you want to practice direct care, or if you are a direct care specialist, come here, let's unite our forces. Let's share our experiences. Let's learn from each other. And that's how it started. Today, I think there are about 600 physicians in that group. Not all of them are practicing direct care, but many of them, they started direct care and I'm very, very proud of them. 
they started direct care, looking at the resources that we put together. I started to you know, invite all the people that helped me on the way, have webinars, and I was recording that. I put together an online course for other physicians to, to learn about this. I was getting, I don't know how many calls every week, probably there were at least five, six, seven, ten people calling me to ask questions. And at some point I was hmm. so busy that I couldn't take all these calls. And I and the other thing that I realized is that is that some physicians will do it, but probably 80, 90 percent will not do anything with the information that I give. And that was, you know, time that I put in and effort that I put in to explain to them what is direct care. So I started to build up resources. And at some point I said to myself, you know, tomorrow Facebook can disappear or they can erase the group. How are we going to reconnect? So that's why I said to myself, we need to have a legal structure. And that's how I started direct specialty care. And in all this process, there were people showing up. They came to us and I said to myself, so I need to create something for these specialists that for other people, even primary care to find us or patients to find us. So I created a map where people can come in, put their practices there to be easier to be found by patients and other doctors. So I've looked at the website. I'll link to it in the show notes for Direct Specialty Care Alliance, but there's specialists all over the country. And it seems like I'm curious about the growth. How long ago did you set it up in this formal entity? It's about almost two years now. Okay. Has it been, I mean, was it like you and a couple of friends at first? Or... So it's me and um, it was me and another doctor that I was, Dr. Kenny. We were talking all along the way about what we should do. Should we do this? Should we do that? We still talk, you know, with others, but we plan to put together much more for the community and I welcome any help. So far, <laughs> we have been working very hard to to build up this community, but I welcome anybody that can help us because it's a lot of work outside yeah. of my practice and I really have to take that time to to invest into this. Well, it's gotten pretty, pretty big, it seems. Do you know how many people are in it now? Right now we have about 60 people on the map, but you know, there are others. We verify everybody that we put on the map because we want to make sure they have a valid practice and we want to make sure that they are direct care. A few practices are hybrid practices where they take Medicare, but they also offer cash prices. But more and more physicians are showing up, more and more practices are showing up every day. So you're seeing the interest, does it seem like there's momentum growing in the interest level? Yes, the, the interest is huge. We offer the resources. Of course, some, there are people that are offering consultancy. We, I mean, that's not the goal of our community, but important things to know is that we create these resources, we provide this kind of leadership, and we really want people to be independent, physicians-led practices to be independent and to grow and offer services. And we also want to connect to each other because if I have a patient that needs another direct care specialist, I have to know where I'm gonna send this patient mm -hmm. because bouncing back the patient into the traditional system 
They go through the same process. They go through the same pain. So we are trying to help these patients among us in this community, if it's possible, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's instances where you have to go outside that. But, but it does, it seems like, and especially direct primary care is growing. That's been established for quite a while. But, you know, I think both of those in tangent will in the future have a, a ton of growth. I think like I was saying at the very beginning, like the, the more frustration there is in the system, the more expansion there'll be in in the direct care model. I know you mentioned at the very beginning, one of the challenges you had or continue to have is about educating patients about the new way of doing things or the, you know, the different sort of setup that essentially that's marketing, I guess. I mean, like sales and marketing, convincing people that this solution is is a better solution for them. Has that changed over time? Is that, I mean, I know you said once people got into it or maybe had a visit or two, it seems like they kind of get it and it clicks, but have you seen any shift in the consumer awareness of it? So yes, consumers and patients they do look for options. I can tell you that probably 90% of the patients that I see, they find me. I don't find them. They do find me because they are actively looking for an option. You know, when they get a referral for a rheumatologist, the first thing that they do, they ask their primary care physician, where should I go? And they tell a name, they go on their insurance. That person is not on their insurance or even if it is, they're going to be seen in six months. Most of the patients that I see are critical in a lot of pain. So imagine someone with rheumatoid arthritis waiting for six months to be seen. That is completely unacceptable. And they look for options. And that's how they find me. And I'm sure this is valid for all the specialties that I know. Patients will look for options. And the other category of patients, more and more patients, are unable to pay the high deductibles. So again, they're looking for an option to pay something cash that they can afford because it's a difference between paying a couple of hundred dollars for a visit and paying $2,000 for a visit because your deductible could be, you know, 8,000 and Mm -hmm. the visit will be billed the, you know, whatever the discretion of everybody else, but not on your, on your favor. So mm-hmm. it's, it's important for patients to have this price transparency. And I think that will drive many patients to this kind of practices. Once they understand that the price is not higher, but the value is most of the time so much higher, then they will come to, to this kind of practices. Well, you're eliminating a lot of the layers of costs too. So it's just, when you look at it, Big picture, it's, it makes a lot of sense. So the majority of your patients are finding you themselves, like not not referred. They're just like are no. they Google googling it or what? they Google it. Yes, okay. they Google it, and this is how they find you. There is also an important category of patients. Once you serve well patients, the word of mouth is right. going to pay back. So that's also something that you have to understand. Once you give good quality care, you're going to get referrals from patients. A lot of the the physicians in the traditional system will not refer patients to us because their system will ask them to refer into the system. So although this is not perfectly legal, it's still, they are still going to refer in their network, you know? Yeah, that's garbage. I mean, that's just, I mean, it can work okay, but like, that's just, 
but no. that's what you are told. You know, you, yeah, yeah. you know how what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, I know. have to use your network that is built up by your hospital to right. support the hospital. So most physicians working in the system are getting their patients from referral or provider, other provider referrals, or the system sets them up with patients, which. That is my experience so far. Mm. There are also physicians that are in the concierge practices that they understand the value of direct care. They don't practice direct care because there is a difference between concierge and direct care. And many patients are confused by that. I actually wrote an article in Medscape, I think almost two years ago, about the difference between concierge and direct care. And I call direct care, that is concierge, without the tag, the price tag of, of the concierge care. And I don't know if, you know, there are physicians that don't even understand that. So I don't expect many patients will understand it. But concierge uh, medicine will still bill insurance, but will also charge an extra fee from the patient to provide access to the patient when it's needed and to speed up the workup. And obviously they do provide very good care, but they do charge insurances. And direct care, we do not have any contracts with insurance companies. We can use the insurance card, for example, for labs or imaging, or for approving medication for the patient, but we do not have any contract with the insurance and we do not charge insurance companies for our services, our consultations, or, you know, even procedures. And we also can offer, like direct primary care, we can offer very transparent pricing for laboratory services, for example, or for imaging studies, because we have contracts, direct contracts. You know, my company has a direct contract with a laboratory service that will give patients very discounted labs. And we share that price with the patient upfront. So the patient will not have any surprises that my labs will cost, let's say, $50. They know that's the price of the lab. Instead of you go through the traditional system or you use your insurance card, and if the bill is let's say 1,000 and you have to pay 20% of that bill, you're gonna pay 200 instead of paying $50, which mm -hmm. is a huge, huge difference for the patients. But you just have to spend the time and explain to them that. And you know, most of the patients do not believe you in the beginning, <laughs> but then when they get the bill from the insurance company, they, they come to me and they say, you told me that I'm going to be billed more than $50. And mm -hmm. this is something that we have to work on as physicians. Well, it's promising that people are coming to you. I think that's a very good sign that things are changing when people are looking it up on the internet. I mean, that's just a signal of like people's thoughts and tendencies. The fact that they're looking that kind of thing up, that says a lot, the whole model itself. And I think that momentum will continue, be, especially the traditional system is not that I'm aware of doing much about it. Like the problems are only amplifying and it's going to become even worse. And I think as a patient, I'm like, well, if I need to wait six months to get in and I, it's really important that I go see, see somebody that alone might be prompting enough to be like reaching out and searching. And if I find a solution like yours, it's like, I can see you today. It's like, well, yeah, I'm all over that. Have you noticed though, like I imagine, well, you've already said it. I mean, you're spending more time with these patients and so you have a lower 
patient population, have you had different relationships with those patients, like in the traditional versus in your prior experiences with patients? Have you been able to like be more, you know, personally connected to those patients? I think the, I, I will always keep the professional relationship before forming more of a personal relationship. But I do feel that patients feel more personable to me. Yeah, maybe it's the reverse. Yes, I think that they do feel like finally they are not in, and this is something that I hear all the time. They tell me that I feel like I'm not in a factory going in and out mm -hmm. the door. And that is extremely valuable for me, that the feeling that you are able to send, the vibe that you send to the patient, it's, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And then I always look at the reviews that they leave me. And that's something that I had to overcome as a physician. I never thought that I should tell patients to go leave me a review. And this is what I would encourage all the physicians that go into direct care because we are very, very shy about asking for things. That's number one. And number two, all these websites that there are websites that they post reviews about us, they're open to everybody. Even people that are not my patients, they could go there, never happened to me, but they could go there and could leave a review if they make a phone call and they were not happy and they could write whatever and nobody is, nobody is verifying them. But when you encourage patients to go and leave you a review, you really see what they think about you, how they value the care that you give to them. Because what is happening with all these review websites, usually those patients that are not happy, they will go to leave a review. Patients that are happy, they don't have a reason to think no. to leave you a review. So it's important to build up that kind of, uh, I would say, branding in time. If patients are happy, just encourage them to, and even, you know, I, it never happened to me, but encourage patients to leave you a review. Because mm -hmm. you will understand also where you need to improve. If you have to improve things, you will have that opportunity. And on the other hand, for other patients, it's extremely important to see the value that you provided to the community that you serve or to patients that you served in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think those are all great suggestions. If I'm a physician, I'm considering making the jump, but I'm a little nervous about it. And I know the community is important. And so checking out your network is a great suggestion. And y'all have lots of resources and just people in general are a resource that are already doing it. And I remember when I started my business, I'm kind of in like a, you know, unique aspect of the finance business. And it was kind of similar to direct care. And when I started and I was just like, can I find some people that are doing this this way? And Finding that was like huge because you get in there and you start sharing ideas and learning from other people. And especially on the internet, that's one of the benefits of the internet. You don't have to like waste their time too much. Just calling you and being like asking questions is kind of time consuming. And maybe I'm not going to actually, like you said earlier, follow up on it. And then, then you're kind of like, I don't, do I really want to take calls from random people? But like the internet, you can kind of like get into communities and read other people's experiences and, you know learn from those. So I think that's a great starting point. But do you have any other suggestions for people that are considering this big potential career shift? Yes. Or So if they are not, if they don't know about it, they should read about it. On this website, dscalliance.org, 
you're going to find a lot of articles and blogs that I wrote or other wrote. You're going to find also podcasts that we gave. Start there. I also, I'm also building up a YouTube channel where I invite other direct specialty care, direct care specialists to share their, their story. So the YouTube channel is called Direct Specialty Care Alliance. You just go there and you're going to see all these basically webinars or lectures or podcasts, how you want to call them, where people share their stories. And there are so many lessons in those lectures that you can start there and realize that you are not alone. That's mm. the other thing that when I started, I felt at some point like I am alone. I'm a paria. I am, you know, people were saying, are you, are you against the system? And I was like, hmm. no, I'm not against the system. I'm trying to build up something that is parallel to the system, an opportunity for patients, an opportunity for physicians. So I'm not against anything. You just use this opportunity if you need to use it. Mm. But education is extremely important. And I would start with educating myself before you can reach out to us. There are many physicians. I actually had a podcast recently with one of them that actually sent me a message. I share some information and he did everything along the way. He watched all the YouTube videos, all the, he took the course online and he understood what it's all about and one year into it and he's driving. And I could not believe it. I didn't even know the impact that I had on this physician. Hmm. So he basically followed some simple steps and he figured it out. And when I reach out to him to give us some insights about how his practice is doing, I talked to him. I couldn't believe it, how well he's doing. Sure. And then I invited him to give us the podcast. And I didn't even know how much we actually impacted him. Mm. And that is extremely valuable for for. All of us that are in this community to to see this kind of success story. Yeah. And the cool thing about your networks is you have these specialists. So, you know, a lot of people, I hear this a lot, especially since I've been talking about this. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm in a specialty that's like, blah, blah. but it's like, no, well, maybe not. I'm sure that there's instances where it's not really possible. Like, I think like a, I don't know, like a spine surgeon or something like that, you know, it's, it's not going to work in that or it would be difficult, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of specialties doing it and they're doing it successfully. And so you can check out your network and see actual physicians that are in varying specialties. They're, you know, thriving in their business and, and, you know, hearing their stories is great too. I, I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't realize you had the YouTube channel. That's, that's even better when you get to hear people describe their stories. Yes. That's the purpose of this YouTube channel to, first of all, to share this idea with physicians. But I also included resources for patients. Like, you know, I'm talking there about what are cash pay doctors? Because they don't understand this direct care model. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them cash pay doctors, they understand the concept or how to find, you know, medications, cheap medications. We have to go to the patient, educate the patient, because ultimately... We have to get out of the physician's lounge to the patient. And this is very important because the, the scope of our practice is to get to the patient. Mm -hmm. And, you know, patients will get to us, but we also have to educate them that they have our door is open. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Diana, this has been fun. I have enjoyed this conversation. I love hearing what you're doing. It's great to hear the impact you're having. And I'm sure it's been rewarding for you. It sounds like in a lot of ways, you're starting to see some of those like nuggets of the seeds that you're planting. And and that's, that's always, you know, keeps you going. And so I wanted to say thank you. I, I really appreciate you coming on to chat with me. It's been a good time. And I would like to appreciate your inviting me and thank you so much. It's a, it's a huge opportunity to, to be here. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.